0: One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.
1: You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God,
0: love people, and love life.
1: Y'all ready to get in the word tonight? Uh, Second Corinthians, or lift your Bibles high. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is the official finish to of the Bounce of Keep Calm and Bounce Back series. So since we're going to finish it, we might as well finish big. I just decided since I was born, it's going to matter that I was here. And so I want to encourage you, look at your neighbor and say, it should, it should matter. Tell him, say, average needs to lose you. He used to loose you. He used to let go of you. So now, what does that have to do with this being the last message? I just told you, this is the last message in, in the series that has been equipping you to keep calm and bounce back. So you might as well receive this word in an above average way. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the Word, I'm a doer of the Word. This Word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and the message that I'm about to receive. Amen. Remain standing for just one more moment. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. This is part 2 of Knowing Satan's Devices. I'm going to review a little bit and then we're going to get into uh, some new material that's going to uh, help us to end this series in a very powerful way. And uh, so it's going to be at the beginning somewhat pedagogical in nature uh, so that we can speak to your cerebral capacity to receive the very spiritual principles that are being postulated from this sacred desk. Basically, what that just meant, we're going to start slow. (laughs) Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 11, lest Satan should take advantage of us. Now, in other words... Him taking advantage of you shouldn't be the norm. Uh, l- l- can I say it in a real street way? How long you going to be his trick? Uh, lest. In-, in other words, lest here was just simply an old English way of saying Unless. So unless he should, unless he should take advantage of us, watch this. So then watch the the use of the semicolon here. Uh, For we are not ignorant of his devices. It means unless he take advantage of us, implied in the statement is the only way he takes advantage if I'm ignorant of how he works. So I, so watch this. I'm no longer then going to be taken advantage of when I figure out how he works. Because watch this, once I figure out how he works, if he steals, he didn't steal, I gave it. If he takes advantage, it's because I wanted to be taken advantage of because I knew how he worked. Amen. Father, tonight, I decrease the two-man increase. Speak to us tonight that we might move in another realm as it relates to our ability to obey the very sacred written. we thank you tonight. I pray over the life of every individual under the sound of my voice. I pray that as we are in this season of bounce back, Father, that whatever areas where Satan has taken advantage, Father, that tonight that would be broken. Yeah. And that even those listening to this CD and that will watch it on demand or the DVD or what have you, I pray that even as they receive it, there will be a tangible, transferable, anointing, grace, superb to the natural that would break the advantages and the devices that Satan has been using. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. I-, I want you to do this. Lay your hands on yourself. I want you to prophesy out to yourself. Say your name. Say tonight he will no longer say, he, will no, longer, he will, no longer, will no longer, Satan will no longer take advantage, take advantage of, me. of me. I've been tricked, I've been tricked and, played and played for the last time. Hallelujah. You could be seated tonight. Uh, I want to, again, we're going to start a little slower, but I just want to do some review. Satan desires that you are trapped in setbacks. Do you understand this? It is not God's desire that you are trapped in a setback. Say, it is not God's desire that I am trapped in a setback. We've learned this, and so I'm going to go through this very quickly. Satan operates using seed, time, and harvest. The Scripture says in Genesis as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest will remain. Since the earth is still here, everything that happens goes through that process of seed, time, and harvest. Now, while it appears that those things are in contrast to one another, and they are, seed, time, and harvest, cold, and heat, winter, and summer. Leave the Scripture for a moment. While it appears those things are in contrast, seed, time, you will notice, is a conjoined word, which is really two instances that have now been, or two different times. Time periods That have been conjoined to make one word so that the contrast stands, but there are three different occurrences, say three different ones. There is seed, then there is time, then there is harvest. And so, in other words, I gave it to you like this, Satan, he sows, then he sits, then he sees. Let me give it to you again. He sows, then he sits, then he sees. Now, uh, I want to look at this. Luke chapter 22, verse 2. We looked at this uh, on uh, last week in part 1, but I want to revisit it uh, again so we understand this. So Satan is a seed sower, which means Satan operates by faith. Let's say it again. Satan operates by faith. In fact, he's got so much faith that he trusts that if he can sow something into you, that he is going to reap a harvest of your destruction. In fact, he he shows sure that when he sows, he'll sit and wait because he's counting on it to work. That's where he takes advantage. Where he takes advantage is he sit back and he waits on it and he waits on it and he waits on it and he waits on it. And and, and it is like this. It is it is. He is really uh, uh, an anthropologist. He is really a psychologist. He has studied you. And the truth is, he's been studying your whole bloodline. That is why if you look at your bloodline, the truth be told, everybody in your bloodline really got the same set of issues. It may be packaged different, it may have a different name, it may be a different date, but the issue you'll see is often very, very similar. Because he's been studying your bloodline, figuring out what do I have to sow in order to get them to be able to self-destruct so I can take advantage of them because nobody has ever told them how I work, so I keep using the same tactics generation after generation because they worked on her mama, they worked on her mama, they worked on her mama, so I figured they'll work on her. They worked on his father, worked on his father, worked on his father, so I figured it ought to work on him. Somebody in here ought to be mad as heaven that it's been working as long as it's been working. Can I tell you, you don't often change what you're not angry about. Anger is a great tool because it's a signal emotion. You're never angry about what you're angry about. Anger is always pointing at something else. So it gives you the ability now to have a level of frustration that will cause you to take action that you would not normally take because you needed to get angry. Does <laughs> your neighbor say that anger was good for you? Luke twenty-two, verse two. This is Doctor Luke speaking to us now, uh, the Gentile physician. And uh, verse two, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Him here is talking about who? Jesus. Verse three. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. Say, that's his seed. Verse 4, so he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. Say, that's time. Now watch this. What's the harvest, Bishop? Calvary. Jesus on the cross was his harvest. Now, I I, want to look at this. We looked at this again last week. I I just want to make sure we understand this. That word entered in the Greek means like eating food. Or a thought entering your mind. So when the scripture says "And Satan entered Judas, literally Satan possessed Judas. But he didn't possess him in the way the movies sensationalize what you think demonic possession is. No. Literally what he did is he gave Judas a thought by virtue of a conversation. Okay. And we looked at that back in Genesis on last week. How it's the same thing that happened in the garden. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Y'all acting like y'all weren't here in part one? Okay, we got that? All right, now, so, so watch this. Satan entered. Everybody say, he entered. He entered. Say it again. Say, he entered. he entered. All right, so now watch this. Uh, uh, fuel, food, rather, is fuel. We eat so that we have energy. The food turns into uh, sugar and carbs and all this, and then that turns into energy so that our body can operate. Do you understand? Food is a means to an end. It is not the end. We're supposed to eat so we have energy to go produce something in the world. Not just eat. Tell your neighbor say, I know that's right. <laughs> now, watch this. It's fuel. Say it's fuel. It fuel. Now, fu- fuel, excuse me, fuels whatever is present. If you put gas in your car, whatever's in your car is gonna go forward. Got it? You're not gonna put gas in your car, and if you had a Toyota, it turned into a Bentley. I don't care how much you pray over that gas. That's not what it was. So whatever it was is what's receiving fuel to go forward. Which means when Satan sows, what Satan is doing is studying you to find out what's already there so he can fuel what's already there. So when he discovers you got self-esteem issues because your daddy never told you you were beautiful and never told you you were valuable, he now sows to what's already there. So he just further suggests that you already have what you already have. Okay, you didn't get that. So so what he does is fuel just... What's already present. Yes, got it? So the thought is fuel, It's like food. It's like food. And that food is what? Fuel. And it propels whatever is currently present. So if you have a fear of rejection, all he does is speak to what's already there. Oh, Do you understand that? If you have a self-complex to where you always think, oh my this, I'm at this, I'm a this, I'm a this. If you got that, then he studies you to find out that's what you got. And so now he uses that against you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right. So if you got low self-esteem, he studies that to figure out what's going on. So we know that Satan was studying Judas. And I gave you this uh, illustration on last week because he was looking at the 12 and he knew he had to infiltrate the 12 in order to get to Jesus. So he's he's studying the 12 to figure out what the problem is as it relates to who he can get access to. Watch this and access through. Now, there's many lessons there because watch this. uh, Since you choose who is around you, you choose your Judas. Every person around you is a door. So Jesus chose Judas. Judas just didn't show up and he was like, you know, I'd like to work for the kingdom. He's like, no, I, I picked He picked his 12. Now, here's what I need you to get. In that, Satan is studying to figure out which one can I get access to. So he's sitting in the back watching them. So he finds out Judas is appointed treasurer over Jesus' money and over Jesus' accounts. So now he's thinking, hmm, so that's the guy with the money. So Satan is standing back watching the guy with the money to see what the guy with the money does. He watches Judas try to pay his light bill. Now, you know they didn't have light bills as the way we think of it, but you follow what I'm saying. Okay, everybody say amen. Okay. He watches Judas take his tithe and go, go shopping. See? Got it? So he watches him. So he's like, okay, I got to find somebody. Because he knew he couldn't mess with Peter. Peter was too thuggish. Peter would have fought the devil. <laughs> Peter would have fought the devil. Thomas would have turned on the devil. Thomas, see, see, Thomas Thomas is a real interesting kind of personality. See, I, I really don't like people that are that, that really, really Thomas-like in their mind and, 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 and refuse to change it because, because you don't really know what you're ever dealing with. So you, 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 you'll have a conversation with Thomas A, and then on Tuesday, you got to deal with Thomas B. The issue is you built a, 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 a thought process and, and a path forward with Thomas A to not only realize that Thomas B was who gonna, was going to show up the next day. You got it? So he's like, Thomas is gonna to, to probably change them. He said, That's not gonna work. He couldn't get the sons of thunder because they were too zealous. They would have just, you know, praised and worshiped the devil away. And so, and so he's just like, who can I get? He's like, I'm trying to find one of these guys that, and he studies and watches Judas, and he says, Now, Judas, no, that ain't his money. So because Judas says, watch this, created an opening. All Satan does is go give food to fuel what's already there now let's walk this out let's walk this out satan's seed into judas was fueled to judas fear of rejection from jesus because he had to be worried that jesus was going to find out that he'd been stealing from him john 12 5 says uh, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor now take now this out this woman comes and she she get, puts this fragrant oil on jesus and uh jesus uh is really uh 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 the the disciples around him and who would become the apostles they're like well you know why is she doing this why is she doing this and jesus is like the poor you'll have with you always me you don't leave her alone now that tells us a couple of things uh just real quickly we're going to start a little so we're going to turn it up in just a moment that tells us jesus wasn't poor because for him to distinguish himself from the poor would mean that he wasn't part of the poor is that the poor you'll have with you always. He could have just said, well, we always going to be with you. No, he said, you'll have the poor with you always. Me, you won't have with you always. So now, but watch this. Look at the verse here. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, this is Judas speaking here, and he's being quoted. And then look at verse 6. Now, this is uh, the writer, John, here. He's writing, and look what John says about what Judas was quoted saying. This he said, not that he cared for the poor but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Now look at what John says, because he was a thief. It didn't say he had stolen, which means this wasn't just one time he did it. Oh, watch it here. It says now, if we go into to second gear, he was a thief, which meant everybody knew he was a thief. Which means he wasn't playing who he thought he was playing. Okay, because he's sitting up thinking, well, Jesus don't really know. And Jesus is like, I do know. I'm just waiting on you to come and repent to me. You ain't playing nobody. I'm just waiting. (laughs) You ever knew the real deal and you were just waiting on somebody to come to you because you were like, I already know the real deal. I already called a bank. I already know what's in there. I already did this. I already know what's going on. I'm just saying if you're going to be real with me. So everybody knew that. Look what, John, look what John Mark said. John Mark said he says he says uh, uh, he says or uh, uh, John rather, excuse me. He says uh, uh, he was a thief, and he had the money box, and he took what was put in the money box. So, to think he was getting over on Jesus. Now, can I give you a couple of little other anecdotal facts before we move on? This tells us that the people supported Jesus' ministry so significantly. That even though the money they were receiving was being stolen, they still had enough to change the whole region. Which means Jesus didn't have to beg people to do what the Bible said to do, and they were able to change the region. They didn't kill no chickens, they didn't fry no fish. It's a shame the churches have to kill chickens and fry fish to do what the people won't just follow what the Bible says to do. And I ain't beating up on nobody. God's been real good to our house. I'm just making a general comment about the body of Christ at large. That's foolishness. Got to get loans for what you should pay off. Okay, let me move on here. Yeah. So that tells us the people were supporting Jesus significantly enough that even though they were stealing, Jesus still had enough to do everything he needed to do. And he still gave Judas time. Say he had time. All right, now watch this. Watch this. Y'all still with me? So Satan studied Judas to know where he felt most vulnerable. Because watch this. For Jesus to have appointed Judas as treasurer, tells me a couple things. He must have been good with numbers. Jesus had literally, because remember the whole setup here, the 12 that Jesus originally picked. Those 12 were found doing their father's trade, which is in the Hebrew culture. If you were found doing your father's trade, every Hebrew, Hebrew little boy wanted to be a man of God. And, and I got a, how I would long for that kind of a culture, how much easier that would make what I have to do. When nobody trying to do this and this and I don't cheer and I'm not cheering. I got to find myself and all this mess they, they just knew I want to be the man of God. And so that was the whole the whole culture was set up like that. So wherever rabbi goes, that's there go I. That's the whole culture. Read your Bibles. The whole culture was set up that way. And so the men of God would have these schools they would begin. They were schools of young men. Some would be called the schools of the prophets where they were making more of a student uh, over disciple. Then some were called the sons of the prophets where some of the prophets said we need a we need a better system because what these what what these young men lack is is not. Uh, instruction what they lack is life and so what we can't just do is give them instruction we have to give them a reason to live and so we can't just teach them now we have to give them something to die for which gives them something to live for and so some of the prophets said let's make students but men like Elijah said let's make sons (laughs) because if I got a son I've given him a reason to live and I've also given him a reason to die and that's more significant than a student because a student will quit school but a son can't quit his blood life a son okay a son can't quit the bloodline he's been infiltrated into by virtue of his father in the spirit so now th- this was the culture if I say culture so the Hebrew boys everybody wanted to do that wasn't nobody trying to rap because you know in the yeshiva that's Hebrew school they-, they weren't trying to rap they weren't trying to play basketball they they weren't trying to play football, and again, of course, I'm using modern modern things because a lot of that wouldn't exist. They didn't want to do any of that. They said, "I where where he goes, there go I." That's why when Elijah tried to ditch Elijah, he was like, "As long as your soul lives, you're just gonna have to rebuke me day after day because wherever you go, I'm gonna be right there. So you're just gonna have to tell you're gonna have to just tell them to kill me because wherever you go, that's where I'm going." Oh, how easy it would be to do what I gotta do if I had folk like that. So watch, the Hebrew boys wanted to do that, got it? If the rabbis thought they weren't good enough, here's what the rabbis would say, take on your father's trade, got it? So when Jesus finds these 12 young men who are all, Peter was probably the oldest, they were all somewhere between 15 and 21, he changed the world with teenagers, he changed the world with teenagers. So now they're all between 15 and 21 uh, in that range. And, um, and so when Jesus finds them, what does he find them doing? Their father's trade. Tax collection, that was a family business. Fishing, that was a family business. Which means what can we deduce and what can we use deductive logic to figure out? That means the system told them you're not good enough. Then Jesus comes along and says, take my yoke upon you. Those are the words these young men had wanted to hear their whole life. So that's why they dropped everything they were doing to follow him. Because Jesus, because Jesus came and said what the rabbis never said. Because if the rabbi wanted you to become, his, uh, wanted you to become a son or wanted you to become a mentee, he would say, take my yoke upon you. So when Jesus comes and says to them, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What he was saying was, I'm telling you what you've been waiting your whole life to hear. And what was it? You're accepted. What was it? You are good enough. What was it? You do have what it takes. I came to speak it into somebody's life tonight. You are good enough and you do have what it takes. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So these are the words they've been wanting to hear their entire life. So when Jesus says them, what Jesus was doing was uh, was beginning something very powerful. Everybody say powerful all right now watch this so now we already know that the system had told judas he wasn't good enough but we can deduce that judas was good at numbers because why would jesus have appointed him in treasure jesus could have counted his own money now y'all not hear what i'm saying if jesus because and then it would have been safer too ain't nobody gonna take good care of your money like you gonna take good care of your money do i have at least four witnesses one two three four that's what i needed. Right. Okay, so, 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 Bishop, why are you telling us this? We know Judas, the system told him he wasn't good enough. But we knew he was good at numbers. I'm trying to help you make this real versus just a Bible story. But we know he had to be good at numbers because Jesus could have appointed anybody to be his treasurer. He could have appointed Peter. If Peter was real thuggy and real rough, Peter, he may not be counted it, but he so would have protected it. <laughs> Jesus, one, two, one, two, nine, it's all here. <laughs> Okay. What I'm saying is, is uh, I'm not saying that he lacked intellect. What I'm saying is, is that if he wasn't great with numbers, he, he would have protected it. So Jesus, we have to deduce, pick Judas to be the treasurer because Judas had something good with numbers. But we also know that the system has already told Judas that he's not good enough. And so now he's been rejected. So because he's been rejected, he has a rejection complex. People that have been rejected create a complex of rejection where everything is seen through the lenses of you're going to reject me. And before you quit me, I'll quit you. That way you can't hurt me. It's quiet in here. So for those of you who struggle with running, the reason you run is because what you think you're doing is protecting yourself. And really what you are is a self-fulfilling prophet. You create the problem you were trying to avoid. Ain't nobody going to say nothing. Are you here? All right. So we know he's got a rejection complex, but we know he's probably good at numbers. So Jesus says what he wanted to hear his whole life. So he comes, he's following Jesus. Here's the point I'm trying to make to you, Harvest, is that Judas probably didn't start out disloyal. He probably didn't start out a liar. He probably didn't start out a thief. What he probably had to do was to hustle. I'm trying to just make this real to you. What he probably had to do was raise himself a little bit because because he was rejected by the system and who knows what he had going on at home. And so he probably had to raise himself and he probably had to take care of himself. I'm going to talk to somebody tonight. And so he's probably just developed this mindset that I got to steal to get ahead. I don't want to steal because this is the only man that's ever accepted me but I don't know no different than what I'm doing and I want to be better but I don't know how to be better so Satan studies him I don't want to act like this but I don't know different give me some monitor please I don't want to do this but I don't know different and so because I don't know different I don't want it. that ain't my money he's trusting me with his money and while he's having this internal struggle Satan is watching and Satan says boy you sure got some issues don't you you sure is walking back and forth real fast who are you talking to you running your man? ain't nobody even around you who are you talking to and so Satan studies him Am I making it real enough for us? He studies him. And when he studies him, he says, Oh, there's an opening here. So he sows, and when he sows, it grows quickly because he has a rejection complex already. He's already, he's already worried. Watch this that Jesus might run a background check. Through the Jerusalem Police Department. So he's already worried. He may found out I, I had to do some stuff. I was just I just was trying to keep. I had to take care of my brother, and my sister, and my this and my that, and my this and my that. And I just did what I had to do. Am I talking to anybody in here? See, I know you real spiritual, and you ain't never done nothing. But your neighbor has had to go through some stuff in life that they look real spiritual in here tonight. But the truth be told, if you knew their story, you would be shouting not for you but for them because they've been through hell, they've been through high water, they've been lied on, they've been. Mistreated, but they're still here and there. So, watch. So, watch. So, we can conclude that Judas' betrayal was caused by his fear of rejection from Jesus because Satan comes and sows it in him. Because remember, the scripture says, and Satan entered, he gave him a thought by virtue of a conversation that became Food which fueled what was present. Did y'all get that? So my question is, what's present in you that he's been studying? You know, Hasetan means the celestial prosecutor. So he's a prosecutor. So you do know that they they collect evidence. What has he been collecting on you? to attempt to use against you so that when you finally start making progress in life, you disqualify yourself. (laughs) I'm going to talk to somebody tonight because because he's got evidence on you and he threatens you with what he's been collected on you. Are y'all here? Are we getting anything or should I stop? So I gave you these last week that there are three things he used. We alliterated three things. The first was accusations. Accusation is a charge or claim that someone has done something wrong. Accusations are all about assigning blame. Say blame. blame. So an understanding that hasetan, so for those who maybe you've not been, in, I've taught on this before, hasetan is, is, Satan is a title, not a name. The official uh, uh, name, if you, or title, if you will, in Hebrew is hasetan. Just the word Satan with ha in front of it, ha, which literally means the adversary or the prosecutor. Do you understand this? So this whole imagery, biblically, is not God versus the devil. No, it is God and the court has a prosecutor. God has no enemies. To be God's enemy, you'd be God's equal. Bishop, but the scripture says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Read who wrote it and read why he said it. He was saying, since they made themselves an enemy to me, then God, shouldn't he be your enemy too? Do you understand this? All right, so your, your God ain't fighting no battle one day in some valley against him and the devil. That is, that is, that is good folklore and good uh, Greek mythology. It ain't Bible. I don't have time to go into all tonight. There's of, tons of teaching available in the, research, uh, in the bookstore and cafe. <laughs> Amen. So here's what he does. He uses an accusation. Now watch this. Can I want to keep it in these terms of legal terms. An accusation is a legal term. For the court to say, to bring charges against you, they're accusing you, they're indicting you on a charge. Are y'all with me? Okay, now watch this, watch this. They're saying, you're guilty of this. We're assigning blame on you for this. So Satan uses accusations. Now watch this. Uh, uh, Revelation 12, 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Right? So look, just leave that up for just a moment. You see, do you see what he does all day long? He's, he goes and gets evidence on you. And then goes to heaven. And files a motion. To try to bring some charges against you. Please act like you can read this. Did you get it? For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night. So what he does is says, Lord, uh, I was just over there by Susie Nim. Now he's not, I'm not present. So if I had time to teach you, if you were in Bible college, I would teach you uh, that, that there, are, there is not a hasetan. There's not just one. The scripture calls them the hasaitans There are many. You've been hoodwinked, you've been bamboozled, you've been sold a bill of goods. Because you've been thinking uh, white skies and, and, and red hell. Oh no, you've been hoodwinked, you've been bamboozled, you've been sold a bill of goods. Not so. Never been that way. Not even in the book. So the hasaitans they study you. Watch this. Now, they know the word better than, than sometimes we do. And they use the word against you. If we were to look at the word of God like the law, which, which the word Torah coincidentally translates into the word law, if we were to use the word like the law, they know the law. So their job is to get you caught up on a technicality. In the law. It's required in here. So here's what they say. God, oh merciful father. Your word says, Colorado Revised Statute Number Two t- says, that death and life are in the power of their tongue. And since they just spoke death, you must rule in our favor that they get what they said they'd have. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? We caught them up on a technicality because we know the book better than they know the book. But I didn't mean nothing by it. The problem is, they just want to take whatever evidence they can collect and stand before the king to accuse you. So when you say, nothing ever works for me, so they got to be careful when you get discouraged. You know what they do? They take their evidence. You've seen the scene in Job. I've taught it over and over and over again, so I can't revisit all that every time. They go back, and they say, uh, God says, where y'all been? Oh, we got some good stuff today. Uh, uh, who I you, Susie, before? Uh, let me just use another random name. Give me, huh? Jane. Jane. Jane said, That she's tired of waiting on you. Because you taking too long. Therefore, based on your law. Oh, Holy Father. Her prayer that was sold five years ago. That she didn't know was getting ready to manifest tomorrow. You got to uproot that and stop it. Because she just cursed the king with her tongue so because she cursed the king with her tongue you can't give her that harvest she was due by his time tomorrow because she put her tongue on the king and the book says if you curse a king in your home a bird would take it I, I I don't I don't think we're getting it. I don't I don't think we're getting it. 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 So can, can, let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. Let me Jack. We used Susie, Jane, and Jack. So so Jack Jack is going through his day. Jack is getting discouraged because Jack thinks, which is Jack's problem. He thinks too much. Jack should practice doing what he's told, not thinking. It's your Bible. <laughs> See, that's why some of y'all. You know what? Some of y'all get messed up because you need you need to be more busy. No, you, you have too much time to think yourself into trouble because you're not busy enough. Find something to do. That's what the Scripture says about the women. It says, "And let them do the, do the work of the church, so that they don't become busybodies, saying things they ought not." So the Apostle Paul told Timothy, "So now watch it." Y'all all right? So who we talking about? Jack. So Jack is going through today. Jack is driving. And Jack is doing good. And Jack is feeling good. Jack got his CDs playing. And Jack is like, "Ooh, that's the Ooh, listen to this word. Wow. Mm, praise God." Mm. Shaking his head. People look at him like Jack crazy on the highway. And Jack is commanding his day. He's like, "I'm going to get I'm going to get a jump start on it." And before the sun is down. <laughs> you know, Jack is Jack is like, "I'm I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden, watch this, all of a sudden, Satan is like, let's change the show. And sometimes it's not even Satan, sometimes it's just you. Your mind jumps. You're on one path, and then your mind jumps to another track. So then your mind jumps to this other thing, and you're like, ah. Jack turns his CD down. Jack ain't commanding his day no more. Because now Jack is discouraged. And while he's discouraged, watch this, to himself he says, I ain't doing this no more. And Jack says, but I didn't say it out loud though. And then since Satan doesn't know what you think, he only knows what you say and what you do, then he presses. Well, what was you was thinking? That's why you feel that pressure sometimes to make you say what you are fighting not to say. And you sit there like, I can feel, I know I'm not supposed to say it. Why in the heaven do I feel pressure to say what I know I don't have no business? Because he's like, I want to know what you were thinking because I can't read your mind. So I need to know what, say it, say it so I know what you were saying. And then all of a sudden, you'll say it. And then he's like, oh! So you quit the Lord, huh? You quit serving, huh? You quit being faithful, huh? You quit doing right. Okay, I'm taking that to God. He gets in front of God. Where y'all been? Oh, we got some good stuff today. Child, we got some good stuff today. Excuse me, Lord, didn't mean to call you child. But Lord, uh, I got a whole list of stuff. And I didn't know what they were going to say, but I keep putting on pressure. And since I couldn't get to them, I messed with who was around them to put some pressure. And and I knew I couldn't infiltrate them, so I had to get to somebody around them. But I I figured it's like toothpaste. If I keep putting on pressure, something's going to pop out. And so based on what they said, they are double-minded. On Sunday, they say they serve you. On Wednesday, they say they serve you. Ooh, but I found it's another mind in there. And your law says, let not a double-minded man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord because he is unstable in all his ways. Put the scripture up. Go to the previous verse. Previous verse. Previous verse. Previous verse, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7, for let not that man, what man? The man with two minds, one that believes, one that doubts. Let not that man suppose he's going to get anything from the Lord. Verse 8, why? Because he's Thomas. He's this on Monday, he's this on Tuesday, he's this on Wednesday. That Thursday, he's something else. And he's unstable in all his ways. So, Father, based on your law, every petition they have before you, we're asking the court to put that on hold. And so you're sitting up saying, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And they got you on a technical Right, this is too much. Amen. If you just keep on taking the high road and just praying for people, I'm here to tell you Jesus is going to do great things for you. Would you stand? Because y'all don't want to. So he uses accusations against you and others. He sows them to see if it will stick with you. So he'll tell you, you know you ain't no good. And he wants to see if you'll just agree with him. He said, will that stick? Oh, that stick? That's all I got to do to mess up your whole life? Oh, that's it? Oh, you know you ain't no good. (laughs) You know you ain't no good. Watch this. The scripture says, a powerful thing. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Resist his seed and he won't sow. That's why there's some stuff he won't even try it with you because he's all like, all right, he know they ain't going to work with them. It's quiet in here. All right, so let's look. Let's look. He sows accusations. And we talked about some of them. Offense, being offended. Rejection of correction. What's the seed there? What's the seed? The accusation is, is that I'm, I don't need no correction. And who's correcting me is wrong. So that, that's, that's what he sows. Disloyalty. He, what he attempts to do is to make you justify your disloyalty. And it'll get, And the goal is to get you to be loyal to who you shouldn't be loyal to and disloyal to who you should be loyal to. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You ever look back at your life and said, shoot, how in the world didn't I see that? Because you were eating seed. Okay. You still here? Okay, he'll, he'll sow the accusation of false memories. You ever been sitting there with somebody talking to them? And, and, and they'd be like, remember when? And you have no clue what they're talking about. That happens often. People like, "Bishop, if you remember me? I know you for baby. I've never, ever seen you in the hysterosity of the world. I made it up. This is right too. I don't know you. I don't know your cousin. I don't know your mama. We didn't go. I ain't never lived in no D.C. How in the world are you talking about member from D.C.? I ain't been in no D.C. It's too cold. If I want more snow, I do. <laughs> and they'll tell you all this stuff. And you're like, no. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. But I watch this. That's what Satan will do. Satan will be like, remember? Remember how good it was when you weren't serving Jesus? Remember how funny it was? He's just trying to see if it'll stick. He's a liar, so he ain't got to use the truth to accuse you. It's good cop, bad cop. He's, and he's both of them. He'll be like, well, you know, I don't, he takes both sides of it. He doesn't use the truth. It's an accusation. It's not true or false. It's an accus- accusation. Accusations don't have to be true or false. They're just saying it. Will it stick? Are you getting this? So he'll use false memories. Okay, I got to move on. So I, I don't want to time like that. Uh, he'll use discouragement. Bishop, what do you mean discouragement? How, how is that an accusation? Because discouragement says, why bother with doing what's necessary to be better? That's what discouragement, that's the real question discouragement has. Why bother with what's necessary to be better? If you study the men of God in scripture, you'll see that, that often discouragement would, would be one of the things that come up. I was just thinking about Elijah today. And I said, Goodness, hey like God, I don't matter. I said, I, I, I tell you, I, I understand how he was feeling. Because he he just, I mean, he had this great victory. He knocked he killed all the prophets of Baal. And then uh, you know, and, and he, I mean, he was running the show. He said, It ain't gonna rain until I say it's gonna rain. And then Jezebel comes up and says, I'm gonna kill you by this time tomorrow. And for some reason, watch this, after his great victory. Uh, after his great victory, for some reason, he, he gets scared of her. And I'm like, why didn't you just pronounce a curse and kill her? Uh, because right after a great victory, he let his guard down. And so because he let his guard down, now he was susceptible to seed being sown. Can I tell you, if you just experience a great victory, shout about it and then clank, 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 clank. Keep your guard up because right after a great victory, you will often think, whoo, I ain't got to pray. Oh, baby, you better pray more right now because he's expecting you to not have have your guard up so when he sows he's like this will stick because they're not even expect they don't even think it's me okay so 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 Elijah gets to this point he runs he's sitting up on your juniper tree and as he's sitting up on your juniper tree just imagine because we can all uh, 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 relate to uh, how what Elijah was going through because he had a great victory and now somebody somebody said something somebody said something somebody said something somebody said something He had a great victory, but somebody said something. That's why you have to be careful what you expose yourself to what people say. Your reality is not mine.
0: plan, streams, and standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See CricketWireless.com for details. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code VIATOR10 for 10% off your first booking in the app.